What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Spark Talk. And today we will be recapping the week two games for the 2023 NFL season. And sorry, this is coming out a little bit later. I'm actually recording this at 4:30, so uh, starting this podcast, so you will get it like that, like immediately uh, after I record this. I just uh, I didn't get a lot of sleep uh, Sunday night, um, and then I. Uh, yeah, I kind of overslept my alarm uh, just because I didn't get a lot of sleep Sunday night uh, going into today. So being able to uh, kind of look at some stuff and then get this out now. So hopefully, uh, you know, y'all are able to get it and hopefully y'all are able to listen to it as well. So with all that nonsense cool stuff out of the way, let's get into the week two games. And we'll start off with Cincinnati at Baltimore. Or is it Baltimore? I think it was Cincinnati at Baltimore, or Baltimore at Cincinnati, yeah. That's, that's what I thought. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I put it in wrong on my notes. But Lamar looked really good in this game, and I'm excited to watch this Ravens team this year, especially the offense with the new scheme, the new just everything with the offense and how they play on the offensive end. And you still are going to get Lamar doing this thing in the run game and him running the football, him making plays with his feet, him having design runs, you're going to get that. Like, he still ran 12 times today. Um, I'm not sure how many were scrambles compared to designed runs, but 4.5 yards a carry, he's still a threat with his feet. But passing the football, he just looks really good. And I've always been a big champion of Lamar and his ability to read the field and be able to process uh, progressions and coverages and all of that. I've always been someone who's defending him in that aspect. And in this game, he just looked like he was dialed in. He was making a lot of really good throws out there. Um, he's, he's not your typical uh, athletic, very scrambly quarterback that we see a lot. Like um, trying to think of some of the other guys that kind of have like not produced in the last couple of years. I know Mr. Trubisky pops the mind for me as a Bears fan. Uh and I'm trying to think of another uh very scramble scramble heavy quarterback that didn't really hasn't really panned out here as of late. I can't really think of one, but you know, he's one of those guys that has uh you know, I think he's just he's a once in a lifetime player that you get the athleticism, the scramble ability, but also the ability to be in there and sit in there and be a be a pocket passer, and yeah, he's going to have his uh, you know times when he misses throws. You're going to get that with Lamar Jackson. You're going to have weaknesses here and there with your players, uh, but he's he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league for a reason. He kind of proved that Sunday as well. But going into it though, but the receivers, the receivers are. Uh, I'm, I I like this may be the best receiving crew he has he has had since he's came into the league. He has Nelson Aguilar led the team. I'm looking at their stats here on ESPN, but Nelson Aguilar led the team. He scored a touchdown on the day. A very good route runner, somebody who uh, did very well for the Eagles in their Super Bowl run. He he's had drop issues the past couple of years, but when he's consistent, he's he's a very good uh, number two, number three receiver on your team. And then you have uh, the you have Zay Flowers, who was my top receiver in this coming this upcoming or this last year's draft class. 
and he's making plays out there. He's looking really good, and I think there's a possibility by the end of the season he could be the rookie of the year if one of the quarterbacks don't win it. Uh, Mark Andrews is a beast. Odell is looking very solid out there, and then obviously Rashad Bateman. So this this skill position group with the Ravens is just outstanding, and then obviously you got Gus Edwards, who's basically been their starting running back the last couple of years with how much uh, J.K. Dobbins has been injured. So you know what you're getting out of him, a very solid running back, and you have them with Mar, but this Ravens team is so fun. It's such a fun team to watch, and I think they're going to be a contender uh, this year, and I think they're going to be competing because we've, we've seen them beat Kansas City. We've seen them beat like Tom Brady in the past. We've seen them beat uh, – I don't know if they've beaten Josh Allen – uh, yeah, I, um, but we've seen them beat the Bengals. We've seen them beat the Bengals bad on multiple occasions. Like, they can compete with the top AFC teams, and you're just waiting for that breakthrough in the playoffs. Yeah, that's what you're waiting for. But let's move over to Cincinnati, and I'll kind of keep them here. I just think uh, we got the uh, information that uh, Joe Burrow may have tweaked his calf uh, after or during the game, but, like, I'll say this, the first half of that game does, uh, yeah, he aggravated, according to CBS, he aggravated it, but it's just one of those things where he's not 100%. This team just seems off rhythm. Every time you look at this team, the last two games, have they just look off offbeat. They really have. They have looked offbeat the, for the first two games of this year, and on top of that, Joe Burrow is not 100%. There, um, I think it real quick. Uh, their timing is off. Just everything about this offense right now is not is not where it should be. And then on top of that, their run game. Joe Mixon got 4.5 yards of carry. Where's the run game at? Where's the consistent need for a run game? 41 passes to 15 runs. In this game, and we're not even going to count the Joe Burrow run. Uh, most likely a scramble. Um, if I don't, I'll, if I don't remember, I'm switching between the. Uh, actually, our internet went out, so I was kind of watching the Bears game, and switching between the Ravens and the uh, Bengals. But I don't remember that run. But the, you know, it's most likely a scramble there. So 14 runs. So if you just look at that, that's what. 14, three times as many run or passes as runs in this football game. And it just shows you that this team's just off balance. It's off beat. It's not in rhythm. And they're losing games because of it. And then it doesn't help on top of that that your quarterback's injured. So something needs to change with this Bengals team and get them back into a rhythm. And that second half, they look, it looked very promising. They started clicking a lot more. They started getting more into that rhythm, so you're hoping that carries over into their next game, but a great one by Baltimore. And Cincinnati, I expected this kind of start. Now I'm expecting them to bounce back, and they look like they got into some rhythm late, so hopefully that carries over. So we'll move over, move on here to Atlanta, or as I spelt it here, um, I don't even know how I misspelt that, but I spelt it A-T- a-L-A-N-T-A. I don't know what I was thinking when I spelled that. That's 
completely off on the spelling of Atlanta, but them hosting Green Bay and what a win this was for the Falcons. What a win, a comeback win in the fourth quarter with a young QB being able to boost his confidence, especially early on when he threw the interception. And the interception, like, I don't know if that – it didn't look like a good read to begin with. I don't think it would have been a good pass, but I don't think it would have been intercepted necessarily uh, on top of that. But it just wasn't a good situation. He got hit when he threw it. The ball kind of just hung up in the air, gets intercepted. It is what it is. But he's able to bounce back and have himself a very solid game. And this is what I expected of the Falcons. 45, 45 runs, 32 passes. Allow the run game to be the focal point of the offense and allow Desmond Ritter to get comfortable at the NFL level. Like, if, like he only played a couple of games last year. He started the first two games this year. I want to say he's, what, in his fifth start coming up in week three or sixth start, uh, somewhere around there. So, like, he's still learning. He's still processing the NFL game. And just to be able to have the players that he has, Drake London, Matt Collins, a very solid receiver, Johnny Smith, Kyle Pitts, just all these skill positions. Then you have Tyler Algier, B. John Robinson, like, just all those pieces around him, they're able to let him develop and let him make mistakes like this and then come back and they're able to put the ball in their playmakers' hands and allow them to make plays. And I hate the flack that uh, Arthur Smith gets because everybody's like, he's a terrible coach or whatever. And every time I see that, it's always with the comment because Kyle Pitts doesn't get the ball. Well, why is he like? Why does a tight end who can't block need to be the focal point of your offense? Like, there's a reason he's not out there every play. It's because he can't block. And when you're a tight end, you have to block. You have to be consistent at blocking. And if you look at the greats, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. Uh, let me. I'm thinking here. Um, oh man, I'm blanking. Rob Gronkowski. I'm trying to think of Rob Gronkowski. Um, and like, yeah, you had Tony Gonzalez, very good blocker. Um, I think it was solid from what I, what I remember, but he was more receiving guy. He was very balanced. Uh, Todd Heat with the Ravens back in the day. Uh, talking about him with my brother a couple couple of days ago. That's why he popped in my mind. But, uh, you know, it's very rare that you get somebody like a Antonio Gates who is going to be that elite receiver, but also, uh, you know, he's not the best blocker, but he's able to hold his own. And Kyle Pitts, I think, needs to be able to play both play both parts. Uh, and I just don't think he's able to do that. And that's why he's uh, that's why he's. I don't think he doesn't play as much and he doesn't get as much targets than he should. And it's just it's one of those things that, like, Johnny Smith's been in Arthur Smith's offense before. He knows the offense a little bit more. And Kyle, Kyle Pitts may not be picking up the offense. There, there may be just something behind the scenes there that why he's not getting the football. But the uh, but Arthur Smith, I guess what I'm getting at here, Arthur Smith is a great, not a great football coach, but a really good football coach. And he needs to, like, they, fans need to trust him. People need to trust him. Because what he's doing and where this offense is going, I think is going to be, 
a very fun offense to watch. It's not going to be the flashiest offense in the world, but the way they run the football, the way they build their passing game off running the football, it's going to be fun to watch. For me, at least, it's going to be fun to watch. And this team, I think they're going to be competitive every game. I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team, but they're going to be competitive in a lot of games like they were last year. Um, and you're just going to, I think you're just going to see a lot of, a lot of growth from this Atlanta team this year. And if they sneak in the playoffs, that's just a bonus plus on top of that. But we'll move on to the Packers here. For the Packers, they looked really good throughout this game or throughout the first half. Matt LaFleur, his play designs are some of the best in the league. They're absolutely phenomenal. And he's just getting players open and making and allowing Jordan Love just to make easy, confidence-boosting throws throughout the course of this first two weeks of the season. They're just Everybody's open, everybody's getting open, and he's able to hit these people in stride. And all he has to do is just make a good pass. Make a good pass. He doesn't have to do too much uh, reading, reacting, and it puts a lot of pressure off of him. You know, Aaron Jones not being here in this game really hurt them, and I think Atlanta's defense was able to be like, all right, we're playing A.J. Dillon, which I love A.J. Dillon, but – A.J. Dillon is a bruising back, and I feel like it's a little bit easier to kind of game plan. Like, all right, he's going to be the focal point here. All we really need to do is get a little bit more physical, a little bit more uh, willing to crash and hit A.J. Dillon versus, like, Aaron Jones is stop and go, very quick cuts, all of that. And it's a little bit harder to kind of contain him a little bit where A.J. Dillon is, all right, he's a bruising back with Let's just be a little bit more physical in this game. And they were able to do that. They held him to, let me see, I think they held him to under four yards a carry. So, yeah, 3.7 yards a carry for A.J. Dillon in this game. So, I just think it was one of those games where I think the Falcons just got, they were moving the football all game. They settled for a lot of field goals in the first half and in the third quarter. And uh, even in the fourth quarter, they kind of won for, by settling field goals and, uh, two and clock, so they're moving the football. I think Atlanta just needs to convert the touchdowns. I think Jordan Love had a solid game. Had a solid game. Had got a lot of help here from his receivers and uh, is building confidence throughout. What you which is what you want to see from a very young quarterback making his second or his third NFL start. But good one by the Falcons. Green Bay's run game. Is, is it kills them every single year, and it killed them in this game. 45 carries. They were able to get 4.7 yards on 45 carries. That's, that's all you need to say about this game. But good one about the Falcons. And Green Bay, they're going to be competitive this year. Uh, playoffs, we'll see how the later portions of their seasons play out and how they fare against teams not named the Chicago Bears. So I'm very interested to see when they start playing some of those more elite teams. But they lost to a very well-coached, solid Atlanta team uh, that is going to give you 110% every time they step on the field. And sometimes it's just it's sometimes it's good to get hit in the mouth after a good win in week one and get hit in the mouth in week two. And you're able to kind of like, all right, we need to actually start playing some football here. So uh, looking for and uh, looking for a comeback or a bounce back here for Green Bay coming in week week three, but. Jacksonville at Kansas City, and no one expected this score. It was 17-9, to and I don't even remember. Let me see. 
let me pull up my predictions here real quick while I'm getting up the box score. But I just don't think my I don't I don't think my prediction was that low scoring to begin with. Yeah, it was thirty four to thirty one. Uh, was my prediction for this game. So I was not even close at all with, with the score of this game. And this was just a – oh, my gosh. This was just one – it's just, just one of those games where nothing was going right for both teams on the offensive end. Everything was going right on the defensive side of the football. And Jacksonville had a lot of opportunities in this game to take the lead and take control of the game, uh, especially in the first half. Kansas City muffed a punt. They only gained three yards after that, and they settled for a field goal. Then you have the fumble by what could it was it Kadarius Tony or Justin Justin Watson? Let me see which fumble that was. And let me see here real quick. I think they may have recovered the uh, Kadarius Tony one. It was the Justin Watson fumble, yeah. So he fumbles. They get the ball back, and then they fumble directly after that with a. Behind the line of scrimmage, pass to Jamal Agnew. So just shooting themselves in the foot is what it is, really. Like they put themselves in position to not be up by 10 plus points immediately going into halftime. And then guess what happens here? Uh, I, well, they get a turnover. Uh, well, they get an interception here. And then I was going to make my other point, too. They go. They go for it on fourth and downs, and they miss. They miss. Where are they at here? They were near or a little bit past uh, midfield. They don't get it, and then guess what happens? Kansas City goes in, and they score a touchdown. They take the lead before half. Now Jacksonville's down in this game, and they don't ever regain the lead after. They don't ever have a chance to regain the lead. Kansas City uh, comes back and they score a touchdown on the first drive of the first, of the second half. They doubled up in their points, and Jacksonville just couldn't get anything going in the offense. And Chris Jones is such a big part of what Kansas City does well, and it just opens up so much for their other defensive guys, and it just allows them to tee off and Jacksonville. They're going to have games like this where, like, they're going to be competitive against these top teams, but you're trying to see that breakthrough moment, and they just haven't had that yet. And, like, last year would have been a great opportunity. They shot themselves in the foot in that game. They shot themselves in the foot in this game uh, in a potential two-start, two, two two-and-no. I think for the first time since the uh, year after they went to the AFC Championship when they beat when they beat New England by, like, 40 uh, in that week two game, so like, it's just that it's just one of those things where like they're they're honestly I feel like holding themselves back with dumb turnovers, uh, miscues at the worst possible times, and it's holding them back. And then for Kansas City, like it helps to have Travis Kelsey here because they might not win this game. If they don't have Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey gets them that touchdown at the end of the game, or at the end of the game, but the start of the second half, and allows them to uh, kind of just be be up by like be up by eight points for most, if not all, the you know fourth quarter until they kicked the field goal and went up by 
um, or my Manto Jacksonville kicked the field goal and went or got down by five, and then they come back and responded back to them. So if like Kansas City, like when you're a championship caliber team, you win games like this, and they won a game like this. Like it was not their best performance, but they still pulled out the win, and they still pulled it out pretty convincingly. On top of that, where like they didn't give up the lead after they uh, took it um, late in the second quarter. So it's a good win here by Kansas City to get on the win uh, to get in the win column on the year. And for Jacksonville, like they need to start winning these type of games. They want to be true contenders in the NFL. So we'll move on and we'll kind of touch on a, a couple of the other one o'clock games. And obviously, it's just the overtime games here, like the Chargers. You know, they keep giving up dumb games like this where they have chances to win. Justin Herbert drops all the way down fourth quarter. They have to sell for Phil Go and then don't do anything on the uh on the first drive of overtime. Tennessee comes down and kicks a Phil Go and wins the game. And for Tennessee, Tennessee, like just get this all the time Ryan Tannehill to use his athleticism. That's when they were the best they were when they went to the AFC championship is when they were allowing Ryan Tannehill to be athletic and to use his feet. And they had a lot of really cool stuff in this game. So I'm hoping they start utilizing his feet more because people forget that he was a wide receiver at Texas A&M. I think his freshman year, like, and then he moved the quarterback. So I want to see him develop and progress, like not develop, that's a bad word for it. I want to see his offense develop. There we go. And kind of utilize him a little bit more the way he's best utilized. And not be a pocket passer, but get him out on the move and do all that stuff. And then obviously the play action game with Derrick Henry in that run game is always going to be is always going to help uh, him make throws and put the pressure off of him in bigger games. But this is a game that the Chargers should have won. And the, I felt like the Titans kind of stole it. But when you have Mike Variable as your head coach, you're able to they're, – they're going to be competitive in every game. They're going to have a chance to win every game. They had a chance last week against New Orleans. They just didn't pull through. And in this game against the Chargers, they pulled through on it. So the Titans are, are better than I thought. But when you have, a, when you have Mike Variable on your sideline, you're, you're going to make a team that should be probably like 6 and. Six and eleven, seven and ten, a playoff caliber team. So we move on here to the second overtime game, and you have the Lions and Seahawks. And the Lions talk about the Jacksonville shooting themselves in the foot. Jacksonville shot themselves in the foot in this game. Two second half turnovers. We're not going to count the whatever the fumble at the end of the half. That did, to me it doesn't count as a turnover. Uh, the two second half turnovers led to touchdowns. That's the reason they lost. I know people want to complain about Aiden Hutchinson getting held at the end of the game, but you controlled some of that. There's sometimes like, you know, it just stuff doesn't go your way. Uh, it is what it is. Like, make a good defensive play or just a really hard catch. You don't make it, that type of stuff, or just good defense. You're going to have to make a tight window throw. It just doesn't get there. It is what it is. But the two turnovers that they had, Dave Montgomery just fumbles the football. And Jared Goff just makes a very inaccurate pass on a corner route, which like or on a Texas route, uh, not a corner route, but a Texas route. And like when you run, when a running back runs that runs those angle routes out of the backfield, 
you always lead them. You always put it on the uh, wherever side they are. Their uh, shoulder that's more up the field, or their hand that's more up the field. You don't put it behind them because you're gonna have most likely you're gonna either have a corner or a linebacker on both of that side, uh, both of those sides. If you put it far, too far left behind him, or if you put it too far to the right, you have to throw that thing upfield. And he didn't. He threw it behind him, and he get and it went back for a pick six. It's just it's it was not a good throw by Jared Goff, and I just think it shows how good this uh, Lions team could uh, be. And uh, sorry, my dog is barking. I don't know if y'all can hear him. Hope I don't think y'all can. Uh, this mic's been really good that uh, I've had, but uh, yeah, I just think it's one of those things that. The Lions had a chance to win this game, uh, and they just didn't. They just they shot themselves in the foot, and Seattle took advantage of it. And Seattle took advantage of C.J. Gardner Johnson getting injured in this game, and their secondary just not being able to kind of recuperate. Or I don't know. I, I don't know if that's the word. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but uh, not able to kind of come together and play good football. Like second, the secondary was a big problem last year for them. And that's why they spent a lot of money on it this offseason. And obviously one of those players goes down in C.J. Garner-Johnson. And so now um, and so now I just think that um, – trying to think here real quick. The dog is – I don't know what he's doing. He's just barking still. I don't know what he's doing. I don't think you all can hear it, but uh, it's me off a little bit. But Seattle, they utilize they – have, they have one of the best elite – Receiver crew, receiving cores in the league. Yeah, Jackson Smith and Jibba, great route runner. You have Tyler Rocket, one of the Tyler Rocket, probably should be his name. Tyler Lockett uh, is one of the best deep threats in the game. And then you obviously have DK Metcalf, who is one of the best physical uh, receivers in the NFL. On top of that, he's just a freak athlete. And they're going to they're going to dominate a secondary like this, and it it hurt Detroit a lot. And uh, all Geno Smith had to do was just put the ball on the money and go out and not make any mistakes, and he didn't do that. He didn't make any mistakes. He put his receivers in chances to make plays. Uh, he put the ball. He put the ball to his receivers to where they can make plays and go out and win them the game. And that's what happened. And Tyler Lockett made a good play and over the end zone and won the game. That's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes in the NFL. So we'll move on here to the Jets and Dallas game. And we'll start the 4 o'clock slaying games here um, in, ju in just a sec here. So I'll, I'll probably come back. We'll see what he's barking about, the dog. And then I'll come back here and I'll uh, start this 4 o'clock slate here. So probably, there's not going to be a cutoff for y'all, but it'll be uh, probably like a couple minutes for me. So if it goes back and it's just a little bit like a weird transition, just let you know that's what that is. So, back here in just a sec. What's up, guys? And I'm back. Sorry about the little cutter transition there. I think they just need the dogs need to go out or whatever. But we are back here, and yeah, we'll get into the four o'clock game. And this will be the only four o'clock game I'll go into depth with. And I'll kind of uh, this one will be a little bit shorter too, just because it was a blowout. And uh, we'll kind of get into the Sunday night football game after that. So, yeah. The uh, Jets at Dallas. This was 
just uh this was i think a lot of people are gonna look at this game and be like the jets can't win with zach wilson and i don't see that from this game we're looking at a bad offensive line we see what they did to the giants last week this defense then this defense is the best defense in the nfl bar none right this is a great defense and for zach wilson to play the way he did in this game uh yeah he threw three interceptions all three of them came in the fourth quarter when he was trying to force passes to get his team back in the game. I don't think it was a very well-called game by Nathaniel Hackett. Like, when you are running the football with uh, – let me get this real quick here. Um, when, you're running the, when you're running the football with your running backs, you have Brees Hall, you have Dalvin Cook, you have two all-pro caliber running backs on your team. And you run the football for a combined eight times with them. They combined eight times with them. Zach Wilson had more scrambling on the ground than he did the whole entire running back room combined. They had, what, 17, 24, 28. He had 36 by himself scrambling, sc scrambling around. That's awful. Like, you make yourself one-dimensional when you do that. And especially with a young quarterback like Zach Wilson, who has struggled with confidence issues throughout the course of his first two years, how's that going to gain him any confidence when you're putting him in terrible positions to succeed? And the thing is, Zach Wilson looked a lot better. He looked a lot better in this game, and it showed he looked a lot better. He's going through his progressions a little bit more. I don't think he still understands coverages. I think he still struggles with those. But and I think he struggles with sometimes being confident with his throws. I think he just goes out, just go and sling it. And we see when he does sling it, he, like the Garrett Wilson, he goes and makes a big play in a very, very, very tight window. And it just, I think, like, him being, he is more confident, but you want to see him take that next, next step in the confidence uh, arena because with an arm like him, his, you're going to be able to make a lot of throws in the NFL and just be confident when you're making those throws, um, even if even if a defender's right there. Um, but he looked he looks a lot better. He looks a lot better than his previous two years, and obviously Aaron Rodgers is going to help with that. And yeah, I just I like it's just not a good game plan by Nathaniel Hackett against this defense. Like you you force your young quarterback to be one dimensional, but Going to Dallas, this team is a Super Bowl contender until they reach the playoffs. We'll see how they do in the playoffs. But right now in the regular season, they're going to be a Super Bowl contender with how great this defense is and how great Micah Parsons is. Like, that dude is absolutely absurd. That dude is insane. That dude is insane. Like, him and TJ Watt, we'll get into the Browns and uh, Steelers game at the end here, but, like, it's... Those two players, man, gosh. You're talking about two players that are going to be all-time greats by the time they're done. They're going to be top 10 defensive players in the NFL if they're if nothing nothing happens to them. They're going to be that. And it's cool to see them perform the way that they're doing. And uh, in the on the offense, too, 44 carries and 38 passes. This new scheme is working tremendously, tremendously. Tony Pollard is super explosive, very good running back. I've been waiting for a couple of years for him to break out, and they're finally allowing him to do that. So I like this 
I like this Cowboys team a lot, and I think this Cowboys team is going to be very good. The question is, how are they going to be in the postseason? Like they could, I think this team is, this team could definitely get home field, definitely get the one seed. Are they going to win that playoff game? Time will tell. But the Jets, you can't come out and say you're going to be the 85 Bears and then let allow a team to put 31 points on you. So that's just my stance on that. So you like you got to play better uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And Thanet Hackett actually has to actually scheme around the defense. I'm just going to say that. Like, that that was a terrible uh, – that just wasn't a good game plan, in my opinion. That was uh, – he, he, set, he set Zach Wilson up for failure in that game. But we'll go to the other 4 o'clock games. Uh, our, our two of them here, the um, other two here. So, Danny Dimes looked amazing. He looked spectacular in that comeback. It, he was going through his progressions. He was hitting players in stride. It was one of the best, it was the best Danny Dimes I've seen in a while. And he looked really good in that game. The Giants, I think, will be fun to watch. They're using Jalen Hyatt White or Hyatt Wright and just allow him to just throw him up some bombs. Allow him to get one-on-one coverage if you're playing a very man-heavy team and just let him get open with his speed and throw it up to him. Let him make some plays. He did that a lot at Tennessee. And do it here, like it, like, and they started doing that uh, toward the end of the game there, and allowed them to get the uh, comeback going. And for the Cardinals, you know, I think they're just trying to get the number one pick. Uh, they're a very well coached football team. They're a very well coached football team with one of the worst rosters, if not the worst roster, in the NFL. Gannon's doing a really good job. I think it's his name, right? Gannon is it? Uh, let me double check here. I, I feel like it is Gannon, but like I feel like uh, like Rich. I feel like or is it Brad? Brad Johnson's the OC of a team because always get always got those two mixed up. Uh, Rich Gannon and uh, uh, Brad Johnson because yeah, Gannon. Uh, yeah, what's it? Gannon? I'm blanking on Jonathan Gannon. That's what I thought it was uh, because what Brad Johnson is now the kind of get off track here, but like Brad Johnson is the what OC. Uh, who? That's it. Um, offense on the OC. There we go. Um, it is it is not going to where I want this to. So I'm kind of off, off, um, off track here. But uh, like I always get those two mixed up. Um, it's just one of those things. Uh, where like uh, they played together or played against each other in the Super Bowl, and for me, it's uh, been one of the, just uh, one of those things where I always get them confused because, like, both of them had very similar careers where they were yeah, a lot older and they just didn't. Uh, I guess uh, I'm trying to think of the word here, like, uh, um, I'm trying, like, they just, like, they didn't do well the first, like, or they, they didn't perform the way they should. And then they became um, like very good toward the end of their careers and uh, led their teams to the Super Bowls and all of that. So I don't know why I got them confused. I don't. I don't say anything coaching related on this, but sorry, I got off. To- sorry, I got off a little bit off topic there. But yeah, I got a 
yeah, that, yeah, I always I always get them confused and then uh and all of that. But yeah, Jonathan Gannon, um, he's a good coach. He's a defense coordinator of the Eagles, and obviously everybody wants to complain about the Super Bowl. It's hard to stop Pat Mahomes, but he had a phenomenal season last year. He's going to get these guys ready. I know he's a weird guy, but he's going to get these guys ready to play each week. And these players are backups. A lot of them are backups, career backups. So you're going to see them give 110% each game, and he's going to get them in games against some very uh, – or he's going to get them in games against wild-card caliber teams. I don't uh, – like when they play the top contenders, I think they're going to get blown out. But when they play these wild-card caliber teams like the Giant, Giants, like the uh, Commanders, they're going to put up fights against them. They're going to put up fights against them. And that's what you want to see with the team that is in the position the Cardinals are in. And you want to see that from your coach, even if they do give up leads like this, because sometimes giving up leads like this is actually in the betterment of your franchise. So I like where the uh, Cardinals are going there. And so we'll move over to Washington since I just mentioned them. And what game this was? This was a (laughs) very fun game. Uh, Great comeback by Washington. Sam Howell, he looks like he's going to be very fun to watch. I still... Can't tell how good he is because he's so inconsistent. But you want to see get more. You want to see him get more consistent. But he's making good throws out there. He's leading his team, and it seems like this team's really rallying. Excuse me, there. Are really rallying him or rallying around him. I can't speak today. Um, and therefore, like they're just. They seem like a very cohesive unit this year. Uh, Washington does, and then on top of that, you have Denver who. Doesn't very seem doesn't seem very cohesive, and it seems to me this is my opinion on it. It looks like they're headhunting again with Sean Payton, like that was a super dirty hit by Kareem Jackson in the end zone on Logan Thomas, a super dirty hit. It's just like what do you like? For me, they're one of the. It will be the the unreadable team uh, for me this year. Like it's just a team that I'm not going to be. Rooting for, uh, I'm gonna be whoever who they play against. I'm gonna root for them. Uh, even the Packers, like unless the Packers are needing to win a game, they get the Bears out of the playoffs. Then I don't think they play the Packers this year though. But it's just one of those things where it's like they they're, they're just having a fun team to watch this year. They have a lot of controversy around them. Sean Payton, uh, I feel like is at the point where he's just like very egotistical almost, uh, and it's just not they're not a fun team to watch, and they're just very there's a lot of stuff going on in that locker room. I have no idea, but there's a lot of stuff going on in that locker room, and it's just to me they're not they're they're fun they're fun they're one of those teams that's just fun to fun to watch lose. I don't know why this year at least, but we'll move on to Miami at New England, and this game really could be summed down by the two turnovers that really killed New England in this game. Yeah, Demario uh, is that his name, Demario Davis. Uh, or Demario, my bad, Demario Douglas. I, had, I don't know why I said Davis. I was thinking of uh, the. Uh, I was thinking about the uh, Darius Davis. That that his name uh, from TCU last year, the very fast guy. Um, I think he plays for the Chargers. He had a good preseason, but uh, Douglas here. What's his name? What's his first name? Demario is Demario. Yeah, I got that right then. Uh, but Douglas, yeah, he's a super fast guy. Um, I want to say did he go to Liberty. 
could be wrong on this. Uh, he went to, yeah, Willoughby. Yeah, that's what I thought. So he he's a very fun player to watch, and they're getting him open. They're getting him in all, like a lot of space to allow him to make plays. But he fumbled. He fumbled uh, when they were driving down the field in the first quarter, and it allowed Miami to go up 10 to nothing. And then the blocked field goal they had, they throw an interception after that. Like, Mac Jones, probably his worst ball of the night, it gets picked off. You know, sometimes that happens. Sometimes, like, your worst ball of the night is the one that ends up costing your team the most. And especially when you've had a great game, like, he was having a great football game up to that point. And it just sometimes it just hurts your team. And Mac Jones, I think, is a very good quarterback. I think he has potential to be a top 15 quarterback. And I think he is a top 15 quarterback at the moment. Uh, he goes through his progressions. He makes the right reads. And you're starting to see when he has a better receiving core around him, this offense can be very fun to watch. And he's able to dissect it and stuff. He's still young. He's still making those uh, decisions. There's still going to be some you know, throws like there was on the interception. But New England, I think, has a future with Matt Jones as their starting quarterback. And their weapons, like I mentioned them, they're, I like them a lot. You know, Devontae Parker, huge fan. He's from Louisville. Uh, where I'm from, so you know it's always cool to see him, you know, play very well and play in a high level. They had Juju, very solid receiver. They have two really good tight ends in Hunter Henry and Mike Gesicki. They got Douglas, who very speed oriented, but they don't have that one player that's going to get them explosive plays. And I know they want Douglas to be that guy, but he's young. He's young, and so therefore they're having to march down the field in little chunks. And the more times you do that, the more susceptible you're susceptible you're going to make mistakes, uh, or you're going to be to making mistakes. And we've seen that with uh, uh, Miami when they played uh, when Brian Flores was their coach when they were playing the Chiefs uh, for the couple of times. And I think they beat them two years in a row. Where there was uh, two his rookie year, I want to say, where they forced uh, they forced uh, Kansas City to go down the field and not make any explosive plays. And what happened was Pat Mahomes, with his arm talent, he got greedy. And he would turn the ball over or he would hold the ball too long, get sacked, stuff like that. And Matt Jones usually doesn't do that. But for Matt Jones and the way the receiving core is, where they don't always get a lot of separation, uh, and it's always a lot of like very physical routes, very like I'm going to throw a back shoulder here. Uh, they don't get a lot of separation on the routes. So that's going to be more susceptible to maybe a tip up here. Uh, maybe if he just doesn't place it perfectly and maybe he places it okay, it still could get intercepted. Uh, those, those type of plays. So it's a little bit different because he doesn't have the arm, but like I guess the point's still there where like you're driving down the field. Your more plays are taking up the drive, the more chance you have of turning the ball over. And with New England, I just think that's the case where it's just shooting them in the foot, uh, where they're turning the ball over in those scenarios. But for uh, Miami, they're they're content. For me, they're creeping up into that contender status. They they are. They're going to be a fun team around the later parts of the year, where you're just going to be like see what happens here. I want to see them, how they bounce back after a loss. You always want to see a team and how they respond after a loss. But last year they started two, they started 3-0. and uh, Tua gets injured. 
and their season goes up and down from after that. We'll see what happens next week. But this Miami team is going to be fun to watch. And two was making all the good, is making the good throws and all that. He had the one throw where he just his arm talents on display there, where he just puts it up, hangs it up too far, and it gets intercepted. So uh, there's like there 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 is that with him, but. Also, when he's able just to make those quick reads, those receivers are so good that they're going to get open. Their releases are amazing. You know, it's hard to stop this offense. And you put in Mike McDaniel's ability to play design. It's just, it's a, uh, it, this team's going to be fun to watch. This team's going to be very fun to watch here. So we'll move on here to the Monday night football games and uh, then wrap up, wrap up the uh, week two recap. So, and I'll give this one a little bit short and sweet because I was mainly kind of focusing on the Cleveland and Pittsburgh game. Um, but New New Orleans at Carolina. And, you know, it was just Derek Carr and their stingy defense. Derek Carr was making some good plays out there. Uh, he did make a dumb interception. That was just that was a terrible decision to throw there. The play design wasn't all good. Uh, or it wasn't even the play design. It was more so, I think, Rashid Saheed, he, like, went up filled. And I think the safety didn't have to play both of them. And so, therefore, he just kind of stepped back and it got intercepted. But uh, it just wasn't a good throw to begin with because there was three defenders around Mike Thomas. But this defense for New Orleans, very good. 3.1 yards of carry for Miles Sanders, four sacks, seven quarterback hits. Like, what do you want to say? This defense was a top-10 defense when Drew Brees was there. And they're starting to get back to that form and starting to get healthy. This defense is going to be very good. This is the best defense Derek Carr has played with. Derek Carr. Needs to develop that chemistry with his receivers, and that's that's always going to take time when a new quarterback comes in. But especially to a new scheme, a new system, he's going to have to develop that chemistry. But yeah, Mike, and especially with players who've been there a while, Mike Thomas has been there a while. Chris Olave has what well, he's the second year there, so maybe a little bit easier to get a nuance with him a little bit. But him and Mike Thomas are going to have to develop that chemistry and. This and once they get Alvin Kamara back on top of that, like this offense is going to be even more fun to watch and more uh, special because you got one of the best receiving backs in the league. And I really like where this New Orleans team is head. This New Orleans team is headed. Hopefully, Dennis Allen will see. We'll, we can kind of see what he's made of here as a head coach and kind of see how he performs as a head coach. But New Orleans. I think they're going to be a very good team this year. I think they're going to be a playoff team. And they could be a very scary team, especially with how good Derek Carr is and how good this defense is. But the question is, obviously, are they going to have success in the playoffs? This defense has not had the best success in the, or success in the playoffs. They've given up big plays to the Vikings. Everybody knows about the uh, Mir- uh, Minneapolis Miracles and the uh, Thielen catch. And then the uh, – who was that, Zach? Uh, what was his name? Um, Kyle Rudolph. I was gonna say Zach Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph. Uh, that touchdown in overtime. But it's just it's like I like we're gonna see how they perform in the postseason. We're we're gonna have to see. But I think this team is a playoff team, at least a wild card team. And for Carolina, very young team. They're going to be very competitive. Um, well, I'm um, I'm trying to think of how to pronounce their defense coordinator's name. He was defense coordinator of the Broncos last year, and they let him go. Uh, Panthers, I like the Panthers and Broncos. I'm going to look up Panthers. 
Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I, is it? I was gonna say Vizio, but it's not. It is not um uh, that at all. It is. Man, what, all right, there we go. Eudro Evro. That is how you pronounce it. Eudro Evro. I could be completely butchering that, but he he was fantastic last year. That like there was that meme or the stat or meme and stat because I think they made it into a meme, but where Denver would have won their games if they would have got like they would have averaged like seventeen points a game or whatever or something like that. And that just shows you how good that defense was last year with them. And then you get him in here with a lot of the young guys like Jeremy Chin, Brian Burns, Derek Brown, JC Horn. Um, Dante Jackson, just this young, talented group on this defense. And this defense is going to put on a show this year. I think they'll be very good this year. And it's just, and on top of that, you're going to have Bryce Young. He's going to be in a lot of close games this year. It's going to help him grow, help him progress. And, you know, he he's had some up and downs his first couple of games. But when you put your quarterback out there week one, you're going to expect that. And for me, I think that's always the right way to go get him action in the NFL early. Allow your young quarterbacks to develop in the game. Yeah, it's sometimes good to help them develop outside of it, but not everybody's Aaron Rodgers, and not everybody's going to do that. You know, and I think we're starting to see that where, like, everybody was like, well, Aaron Rodgers was successful, so let's sell our quarterbacks for a couple of weeks or sell our quarterbacks for the year and see what happens. Not everybody's Pat Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. Like, you're like, sometimes players just need playing time and figure out, like, all right, this doesn't actually work in a game. It may look good on film but it doesn't actually work in the game so i do like the panthers i think they're young but they're competitive so good one here by new orleans and we'll get into the last game of the week it is cleveland at pittsburgh or is it was it pittsburgh at cleveland let me i want to say it was cleveland at pittsburgh because they're wearing they're wearing those nice white uniforms at cleveland at pittsburgh and i want to start off by saying that was not a pi like i don't like i know like I know people. I know people are going to be like saying, like, "Oh, he grabbed him. He did this and that." That is not a pi. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That is not a pi on Joey Porter Jr. It is not like Donovan Peoples Jones. Like you have to, like you have to be physical. All right. Like Joey Porter Jr. is a very physical corner. He's going to play you very physical. Be more physical. Like, I don't know what you're doing, but be more physical at the line of scrimmage or at the line, at the point of attack for the ball. And he wasn't. Yeah, I'm physical. I'm sorry. But, like, uh, were you, like what are you doing? Like, be, play better there for Donovan Peoples Jones. And, you know, for, for the, uh, for Cleveland, you know, two defensive touchdowns. Like, you had the last score of the game was a defensive touchdown. The first score of the game was a defensive touchdown. Uh, you know, it's, you kill Cleveland. When you turn the ball over, it kills your team. You have a little miscommunication on an option route between Deshaun Watson and uh, Hunter Bryant. Gets the ball tipped up and gets intercepted. Okay? And then Deshaun Watson gets strip-sacked, uh, holding the ball loosely like he always does. Pittsburgh picks it up, and they run it in for a touchdown. Like, that, like, like you're going to lose games when you do that. You're going to lose football games when you do that. And for Kenny Pickett, for me, he just needs to be more consistent. Like, he looked like he got a little bit into a rhythm uh, in that second half. And you kind of want to see him, 
you know, continue with that, with how he played in the second half and just being more consistent, I think is more more of a thing for Kenny Pickett. But the second half, um, you know, could be a lot here for the Steelers and how they and how they play for the season. Like Tomlin is a great coach and the way they played in that first week was not the best, but when they and and the first half was not the best, but they started to pick it up here in the second half of this game. And the Steelers team is going to be, if they can keep it up, a very hard out for a lot of teams. It's going to be a very hard out, especially with Mike Tomlin at the helm. And for Watson, and going to Cleveland here, it's not Watson's throwing motion. It's still concerning to me. Like, he was throwing a lot of low balls last week, and this week he was selling some stuff. He was selling a lot of passes. There was a couple of passes where, like, I was like, dude, if you just hit him, like, like I don't know why you're throwing it so high. And, like, he, there was one pass that uh, was Elijah Moore, but he, like, launched it, like, 30 yards out of bounds. And you're just like, what do you, like, what do you, like, what, 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 why are you throwing it there? But I, I just, I don't, like, for me, I've never been, like, the biggest fan of Deshaun Watson's game. Uh, you know, he helped lead the Texans to the playoffs a couple of years and all of that. But, like, and he does make plays uh, out of the pocket, and he does make great plays at that. But consistency has always been a big thing for him. Consistency, being consistent. And I just feel like he's not consistent enough uh, at all. And I think the Browns are going to be playoff, playoff contenders. But are they, like, but if they are going to lose to other playoff contenders, that's obviously that's not going to help them. So, like, they they should have won this game, and they didn't. That, that's To me, that's a big, like, uh, oops moment for them. Like, they this may end up costing them later down the road. And... You know, obviously, like Nick Chubb, that was a horrible. That was a that was a terrible injury, but uh, with Nick Chubb and all that, that's a that's a heartbreaker. And you're you're wondering, you're left wondering where the Browns going to go from here. I do like I did like what I seen from Jerome Ford. I thought he he runs very physical, but he's also very super explosive. But he's a little bit smaller, and so like some of that physicality doesn't always work. But I do like Jerome Ford. I think this this Browns team is going to be okay. They're going to be okay. Nick Chubb's a great running back, but I think they'll be in good hands. Uh, Stefanski, I like the, I like his scheme, I like his offensive uh, system. So I think this, this Brown team is going to be okay. This Brown team is going to be okay. I think they'll be a playoff team. I just don't know how far they'll go in the playoffs without somebody like Nick Chubb in the postseason, in the cold, and all of that. But all in all, good win for the Steelers. Bad, bad loss here for the Browns. A game that they should have won. But thank you all for. You know, listening, make sure to like, share, subscribe, and comment. You know, let me know how I can make it more enjoyable, more, you know, easier for y'all to listen to. And on top of that, and uh, yeah, I plan on getting back on the, if y'all watching the YouTube channels, uh, especially like the gaming channel, I plan on getting back on that here uh, either early next week or later this week, probably more likely early next week, um, probably on Mondays when that will come out or Tuesday. But I uh, kind of get back on there. But uh, I'm trying to figure out uh, some things to do with the sports channel. So it might be a couple more weeks before something gets posted on there. Kind of give you all a heads up. But still continue to do this podcast. And uh, Thursday, guess what? We have 
the uh, blanking here. We have the Thursday night review and the predictions, and then Friday we have uh, the rest of the Sunday predictions. So I'm excited to get into that and all that fun stuff. It should be a lot of should be a lot of fun here. But I just want to say thank you all for listening and all that. And yeah, I will see y'all. Or I see y'all, but I will talk to y'all tomorrow when I do the uh, Thursday night predictions for the what was it? I'm blanking here. So was it the Giants? Giants and was, this has not been a very smooth outro here. Yeah, there we go. So I will see y'all, see y'all tomorrow, or see y'all tomorrow. Talk to y'all tomorrow when I do the Giants at the 49ers. Thursday night football preview. That should be a fun one, and I'll go in the depth on what I see from this game because I think this will be a fun game to watch. So I will see you all there, and uh, have a nice day.